Welcome to this episode of TechLink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a director at Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool for all things tax, trusts, pensions, and much, much more. I'm delighted to be joined by Simon Martin, who is a Regional Technical Connection Manager. Thank you for joining us today, Simon. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Eddie. Enjoying the uh, warm sunshine and, and long may it last. Absolutely, and, and I think we've got a, a good a good week ahead or two of, of, of sunshine, so uh, hopefully that will top up my tan anyhow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so just uh, picking up on, on the theme of this uh, podcast uh, in relation to tax advantage of investments. So we hear a lot about these this type of investments. Um, can you really clarify what these are and, uh, and, and what all this refers to, please? Yes, absolutely. So for the purposes of, uh, of this discussion and really for the general um, overview of, of that term, it's typically taken to mean um, enterprise investment schemes, EISs, venture capital trusts, VCTs, and any investment really which, which qualifies for business relief. So any of those EIS, VCTs and business relief is, is generally what we would, what we would consider. Um, as I say, it's quite a broad spectrum. And within that spectrum, there's a variety of, of structures, but, you know, they're all high risk investments, but, provi- but they provide a, a variety or a, a differentiation in, in taxation. So there's advantages for our clients, absolutely. But as I said at the start, you know, really important to remember that, that there are high risk investments. So talking to the right clients appropriately is, is really important. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point. Um, and, and, and are we seeing an increased interest in this uh, type of uh, investment? Um, and, uh, you know, what are you sensing from the marketplace? Absolutely. Well, it's, a, it's a good question. So I've done a little bit of digging in advance of, of the podcast. And um, there was a recent FT Advisor article that showed that around about 1.13 billion was placed into VCTs in tax year 2021-22 which was a 63% increase against the previous year. So VCT market is is very strong. The EIS figures were a bit slower coming through, but from 2020-21, there's around about 1.65 billion put into EIS investments. So whilst we always consider them quite niche, and in in one sense they are, um, it's it's a really... um, it's an important market, both for advisors and and for those businesses, in fact, that, that receive that money. And certainly from, from my interaction with different advisors up and down the country, my, you know, I would suggest that, you know, there's lots more conversations about this than there were perhaps five years ago. You know, it's become a lot of interest for, for people for, for, I think, a number of reasons. You know, we're in a, a, a different scenario than we were five years ago. But I think there's lots of factors ranging from um, the freezing or the reduction of the pension allowances. The tapered annual allowance makes it hard for for some high earners to um, get the same pension benefits. And a lot of those clients are asking us the question, well, if not that, then what else? So that's a factor. I think we see as well some clients who leave IHT planning until much later in life. And for those uh, individuals, a, a two-year IHT solution is is attractive, or or even for those who um, 
through no fault of their own, through ill health, perhaps have realised that they don't have a seven-year horizon. So looking at, uh, you know, a two-year two-year picture for that. Um, and there's a variety of other things, you know, all of which have a small effect. The uh, as, as everyone's aware of, the increase in dividend tax has meant that the tax-free dividend from a VCT becomes even more attractive. And the, the clever but subtle freezing of the various tax bans till 2026 it will by nature result in increase in taxation and therefore desire by clients to legitimately reduce their tax burden and and these kind of investments are are a way are a way to do it so and yes as a short answer we've seen a lot of interest a lot of increase um and i think there's there's a number of reasons behind that and um and and we're recording this uh the day after boris johnson um resigned as 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 prime minister and I, 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 I want to keep off the politics but if you think about this type of investment and um and, and the importance of um funding for small businesses um then then this is an incredibly important area for um f- for companies and I, I you know I know a number of of uh entrepreneurs who have, have utilized this scheme getting getting a number of you know several million pounds in, in, into their their businesses and so so certainly going forward um you know being being released from um from europe uh to do our own thing this perhaps could be a, a, a growth area for for uh, fundraising for businesses so so i suppose it's watch this space yeah absolutely i i completely agree with you sometimes from our side of the fence we can be over um, cognizant of the benefit that comes to our clients from a tax perspective but you're absolutely right there's the other side of the fence which is the entrepreneurs who are using this money often very well to create you know fantastic businesses that will benefit you know the UK society and, and across the board so yeah it's a it's, it's definitely an interesting interesting time for sure. Absolutely um, so if we think about the different types of uh, tax advantages investments and if we focused on EIS investments to start with what are the main tax reliefs i need to be thinking about if i'm i'm talking to my clients absolutely so there's 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 really three main reliefs that are available then one uh one safety net relief if it all goes wrong so the main three ones and three reliefs are income tax relief so your clients can get up to 30 percent income tax relief of the value that they invest into an eis and that can be carried back for one year so if you invested, your funds were invested today, you could claim the tax that you paid in this year. Plus, if you've still got some relief after you've utilised all of that year, you can carry it back. Again, it's quite an important point to remember that you can never claim more than the tax you've paid. So you, even if you, if you invested 100K, you'd in theory have 30K income tax relief. But if you didn't pay that amount of tax, you, you can't get it back. And the EIS must be held for at least three years to, to retain that relief. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a bit, and I think it's an important point, but we'll talk a bit later around timescales because that's really important. It's easy to think of the EIS as a three-year investment, but actually the reality is, is often quite different. But, but income tax relief, really, really important advantage. You've also got the ability to defer a capital gain. So you make a capital claim or your client makes a capital gain. Uh, they've got 36 months from disposal or actually 12 months before if, if required to reinvest that gain within an EIS and that gain is deferred for as long as the EIS is held 
and if it's still held on death, like all CGT, it's it's written off. The final relief that is part of the investment is business relief. So an EIS investment is free of IHT after two years from the date of investment. So they're the three kind of upfront reliefs that are talked about. And there's also loss relief. Loss relief comes in if your EIS company is sold at a loss. And then the true loss after the income tax that you've claimed can be offset against your client's income tax or, or CDT bill. So again, it just gives your clients that added security that if it does all go wrong, they can, or they're not going to lose necessarily everything. It just gives them a little bit of a, uh, a buffer. And as I said, you need to think very carefully about timescales. It can take as long as 24 months to actually get the IS3 certificates. And that's the point that the tax relief can be claimed. So with things like CGT deferral, it's possible, in fact, it's probable, your clients will have to pay the CVT and then make a reclaim. So you've got to think carefully about liquidity. Liquidity is really important. And liquidity on it, that's their own liquidity, that is, of course. And then there's liquidity of the IS on exit. So when they want to sell their EIS, is there a market? How long is it going to take? And that can take a little while as well. So being really, really careful around, uh, around that and, and, and managing clients' expectations to say, you know, the tax reliefs are really, really beneficial for the right client but it's not a tap that you can turn off and on and say i want this tax year you know if i invested today would i get my as invested in the current tax year possible but probably on the most part unlikely i'll probably be looking at next tax year or maybe the tax year afterwards so thinking really carefully around um time scales is, is also really important we've had um in relation to capital gains tax we've had a couple of interesting questions over the years um obviously one is in terms of capital gains tax you can you can claim tax or gains going forward a year which um which which is quite an interesting uh scenario because obviously if if you do your eis and then realize you're going to crystallize a gain actually you could defer that gain that you've made after your investment and that's been that's been quite interesting but there's also been um some interesting issues around obviously the when the money comes out um, because you have, <clears throat> obviously, you've got to pay the capital gains tax. Even if your EIS has, has failed, you still have to pay the capital gains tax that's owed because it's simply deferred. Um, and, and, and that's obviously caused potential issues for some individuals if they don't have the money. Um, so capital gains ca- tax is, is a really interesting. And obviously, if rates change as well, you'll pay the right prevailing rate when you when you come out um, and, uh, and and obviously, um, at the moment, there is a differential, isn't there, with, with income tax and capital gains tax rates. And, uh, you, you, you know, we'd hope that rates aren't equalised, but that's always an outside chance that, that that could actually happen. Yes, absolutely. A, a, a very real tax risk that you could defer again at 20 and end up paying 40. Absolutely, yep. that, that could happen. And, and I just think that's another thing to, 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 to factor in. And, and is the client willing to take that risk? Or would they rather say, I'll pay 20 and be done with it and, and do some yep. planning with, with my proceeds? So yeah, really, really good point, Eddie. Yeah. So we've talked about EISs and there's some you know fabulous uh, benefits there. And you, if you total them all together... And you have the ultimate client who gets their income tax, defers their capital gain, and then dies and gets their business relief, and and the capital gain dies with them. That's a you know pretty good tax advantaged investment um, for that client. But what about VCTs? Do they get all of those same reliefs? 
Yeah, so the VCT is, is more straightforward in the sense that uh, you get two main tax advantages. Number one, you get a 30% income tax relief against the value of the investment with the same caveats that come with the EIS, i.e. you can't claim more income tax than you um, have paid. Uh, you also can't carry it back a year, unlike uh, unlike the EIS. And the VCT is then got to be held for five years to, to keep that income tax relief. And the other thing to remember is that VCT also has tax-free dividends. Now, I mentioned about the dividend tax rate going up, uh, and then therefore, the, you know, clearly the, the, the tax efficiency of that is improved because obviously taxable dividends, the differentiator is now greater. So having tax-free dividends is, is, is really, really important. Uh, we see a lot of clients who actually reinvest those dividends and try and get more income tax relief on, on the dividends. And that's a, uh, you know, a piece of planning that we, we do see from time to time. Uh, and it's also important to remember that the VCT doesn't qualify for business relief. Therefore, it still will be in your client's inheritance tax estate. Um, but again, for the right clients, for those people who are more focused on income tax relief, we see VCTs being quite popular with uh, high earners who can't contribute much to pensions saying, you know, what else can I do? I've got a risk rating on my, you know, I've got the appropriate risk rating and I want to invest some money. What's a tax efficient way that I can do it? Potentially for those clients, a VCT is is a nice piece of planning. Yeah, and and, and absolutely in terms of the pension, world of pensions, um, you know, there's many young people who just never had the opportunity to put significant monies into pensions. Uh, and don't have a final salary scheme. And so th there are very limited routes for their retirement planning. Um, and obviously, you know, VCTs can be quite a, an attractive route. Um, so we've talked about EIS. There seems to be a lot of a lot of uh, reliefs there. VCTs, fewer reliefs, but as you say, a simpler, simpler solution. So business relief. Um, so how does that work? Do I get do I get income tax and capital gains tax deferment on that? Well, this is in a way even more simple. Quite simply, you hold it for two years and it's free of inheritance tax. So this really is about inheritance tax planning. You know, a younger person with a high income wouldn't really fit. Somebody who wants to say save CGT wouldn't fit. This is really about clients who are obviously got the right risk appetite that goes without saying capacity for loss etc etc but those saying i want to do some iht planning and i haven't got i don't think i've probably got the the requisite seven years to live to be able to um make a gift and therefore the idea of being able to invest in, a, in an investment that i can hold for two years and it's free of inheritance taxes is, is, is very, very attractive. So, yeah, very simple in one sense. Hold it for two years, free of inheritance tax. And um, so if I'm a business owner, I sell my business, I've had business relief. Can I take advantage of these at all? You can, actually. And then that's a really great point you raise, Eddie, because there's an, there's an interesting opportunity around business relief. Um, in, in our industry, you've probably heard it talked about. And in fact, I said it within the last 90 seconds. You hold it for two years and it's free of inheritance tax. Actually, what the legislation looks at is the last five years of the owner's life. So they ask, are they holding a business relief asset on death? And have they held a business relief asset for at least two of the five years of their life? Therefore, if you sell a business 
or a business belief qualifying asset, but but most likely a business. In practice, you've got a three-year window to reinvest that business relief proce- or that business proceeds to get immediate business relief. So there's a really interesting opportunity, and and I talk to advisors a lot around someone who sold a business, perhaps is getting on in years, and wants to get that immediately back into a business relief investment, either for the purposes of their own death or perhaps as well to make gifts to trust and those kind of things with a, with a nil IHT planning value. So lots of opportunities. That's yeah, a really great point you raised there. And 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 just sort of re-emphasizing you and, and you 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 said it, but it's probably worth just reminding people that you need to be holding these on your death um to, to qualify because they, they go on your probate uh form and 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 that and that's one of the one of the requirements, isn't it? Absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. So you've touched on um, a couple of sort of planning ideas, and I hope hope with my questions, I haven't spoiled your your uh, your ideas that I know that you've written down. Um, you have one, but don't worry, that's fine. <laughs> but but you know, just talk us through. You know, I'm an advisor. I'm I'm thinking about the types of clients and some of the planning ideas. What 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 ideas have you got for us? Yes, yeah, so let's start by looking at business relief investments, business relief qualifying investments. I think there are three main areas we're looking at. Number one, I've kind of touched on it really, but those individuals who, for whatever reason, be that age or ill health, have got a, a more limited life expectancy. So a client who you know is quite conscious that it's unlikely they're going to live seven years because you know they're late 80s or 90s, or they're in ill health. So someone who's in that position who wants to do some inheritance tax planning, naturally being able to get a sum of money out of their estate within two years is really, really attractive. So we're seeing a lot of that, and that's fairly obvious, I would think. And powers of attorney as well. So it's anyone who's ever worked in the market will be aware that it's very, very difficult for a power of attorney to make a, a gift and it requires them to engage the court protection and have it approved, etc., which can be done it's not impossible but it, it is challenging and um, and the reason for that is a power of attorney simply cannot make the gift but what they generally can do depending on the specific powers within the, the power of attorney but generally they can make an investment into a business relief qualifying asset therefore if you are have got clients who are powers of attorney and want to do some IHT planning then there's an option potentially all things being you know right for them to put the money into a business relief investment and do some IHT planning. So for a lot of power of attorneys, business relief investment is in reality the only only IHT planning tool available to them. And then as we've kind of talked about already, in fact, around business relief and replacement business relief, so where a business has been sold, the ability to get immediate business relief is, is an incredibly attractive one. Now, as I said, it is a high-risk investment, so it's not going to be for everyone. But for the right people, it it, it can be um, very advantageous. So business relief, that's really those kind of areas where we're looking at. And VCTs, again, as I touched on, are, are focused on income tax planning. So tend to attract sometimes younger or, or young-ish um, clients usually high earners, often having some kind of restriction on their pension around annual allowance, lifetime allowance, or the tapered annual allowance. 
and looking at you know the the, the incredible tax efficiency of a pension is is closed to them in full or in part therefore what else what else can we do so using a vct to reclaim some of the income tax they pay is is very attractive and i talked to a number of advisors who try and use vcts on 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 something of a, of a rolling basis so for example if you're a business owner you may pay yourself a dividend of you know a relatively small perhaps additional dividend of 15k every year for five years invest that into a vct every year and then try and roll it over so year six becomes year sorry year one becomes year six year two becomes year seven uh, and so on and so forth again it never works perfectly because you've got to be very conscious of liquidity and the client your clients maybe need to you know hold a bit of money because one takes a bit longer to come out and all these kind of things but the concept of rolling a vct over is is, is at its core a good one and it does allow you to um potentially get vct tax relief twice on the same pot of money you can almost have a rolling pot of five years that you just keep pushing down the road and it allows you to to to, to multiply that that tax relief so we see we see quite a lot with with that on on, on vcts um, and and finally i think eis is a, a particularly attractive for those individuals and you've you um you kind of talked about this a little bit earlier already when you talked about people who are able to get income tax relief, capital gains tax disposal, and business relief because they've got an IHT liability. So the ability to combine all of those reliefs can make it really, really attractive. Now I appreciate that's quite a lot. We've you know we've we've covered a lot a lot in that area, but um I'd say within most client banks of most advisor advisory firms, there will be some clients who We'll have scenarios where a tax advantage investment discussion could be on the table, even if it doesn't fit into their uh, your, your your risk rating exactly, and, and you decide against it in the end. That's brilliant. Um, and in in terms of sort of any other points, is there is there anything that we haven't touched on that that we should have touched on? I think we've covered the main areas. I think again, just to, to reiterate, you know, we've talked a lot about it being a high risk investment and it's not going to be for everyone and that genuinely is the case so a, a robust conversation around risk of course is is important but capacity for loss as well you know would your client's lifestyle be affected if this vct or eis went down to worth nil if it would it possibly or probably isn't going to be right for them and then around diversification so even within your investment. If you decide that a VCT or an EIS or uh, a business relief investment is appropriate, how can you diversify it most effectively? And that's you know within within that VCT, could you put it across a number of VCTs? How could you mitigate and manage risk for the clients as much as you possibly can? That's that's really great point. Um, and 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 I know our listeners love to hear. Um, any any sort of great tips? A bit like Desert Island, this you know. Of all the things you said, Simon, um, you know, what would be the three key takeaways that you want people to remember? I would say number one, try where possible to maximise the tax reliefs. So that's you know thinking about an EIS for someone perhaps who needs all three tax reliefs, or trying to roll a VCT when it exits into another VCT, trying to get the most of their tax reliefs. Number one. 
Uh, number two, I think we've, we've touched on it a fair bit, but it's really important making sure you've got the right client with the right risk capacity with appropriate diversification, appropriate um, capacity for loss is really important. And, and number three, and I know you told me not to pull something new out, but I'm going to, um, it gives you a great conversation with accountants and solicitors. I think it's a really good conversation piece, particularly around accountants who've had clients saying to them, I'm paying so much tax, what can I do about it? Are my pension's full, et cetera. You know, it gives you a great conversation piece to have with with professional introducers such as accountants and, and solicitors. Sure, brilliant. And um, sticking with my Desert Island Disc theme, as you know, um, at the end they say, okay, you give me three great, great ideas. Um, but but the tide comes in and washes two of them away. Which one, because I'm a simple bloke, which one is the one that I should really remember? That's a really, really good question. Um, uh, you're not going to let me do two, are you? So I will have to go to one. Um, I would say maximising tax relief. You know, it's kind of a given that there could be the right clients. We're going to shelve that one a little bit and, and focus on making the most for your clients, adding as much value as you can through through um through taxation or taxation reduction in effect. Yeah, and I and, and I think um I think for for me one one of the bits I've learned over the years around these uh, types of solutions is that clarity. Make sure your client really understands um understands how it works, understand the fr- time frame. Um because uh, managing expectations I think is critical with these with these solutions um, and, 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 you know, and even, you know, just explaining how loss relief works rather than glossing over it at the investment time, um, you know, if ever it's needed. And I think there's always a chance it, it could be uh, in some, some scenarios. Um, it's always good that the client, it's not the first time they've heard about it when and if a, a, a loss occurred. So I think, um, so, you know, so I think really making sure it's clear to clients that it, hopefully avoid any issues later on yes absolutely well thank you for your time simon today it's really been really been great and you know sharing those insights and and uh, incredibly informative so thank you so much no problems thanks for having me on i enjoyed it the content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only no action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.